tonight we're going to be in the book of Philippians once again, and we'll be looking tonight at Philippians 1, uh, verse 27, down to chapter 2, verse 2. So we uh, looked last week at the first half of chapter 1 where Paul prayed uh, or told the, the Philippians how he prayed for them, how he rejoiced in their partnership in the gospel and the joy that that brought him. Uh, talks about how even though Paul was in prison, he saw the gospel advancing both as Prisoners heard about uh, Christ because his imprisonment was for Christ and they were hearing about that. And also because uh, other believers were emboldened by Paul's imprisonment to preach the gospel, to preach the word more and more. And then uh, on Sunday morning, uh, as part of our the series we were already in, on uh, Sunday morning we looked at that famous passage in chapter 1, verses uh, 18 to 26, where Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we talked about how that was possible, why Paul thought that way, uh, because he existed for Christ, all of his life belonged to Christ, and uh, so he didn't really, his main concern was not, uh, am I going to live or am I going to die? His main concern was, I want to bring honor to Jesus in all that I do, because that's why I exist. Um, that's uh, what Jesus saved me for. And so his whole life was about Christ, and he knew that when he died, his spirit would go into the presence of Christ, which would be far better than staying here. And so he just uh, his ultimate concern was not about whether or not he lived or died, but whether he honored Jesus. And, and that ought to be true for us as well, uh, which doesn't mean we don't care about our life or aren't uh, wise in the decisions we make about our lives and things like that. Um, but it does mean that uh, our priority is to bring glory and honor to Jesus um, and to serve others. So um, that's what we looked at on Sunday. So tonight we're going to continue this study, um, picking it up in verse 27 and working our way down to chapter 2, verse 2. So uh, what Paul says in verse 25 and 26 is uh, he's convinced that God is going to keep him here. You know, he had said, I'm not, I, you know, I'm kind of hard pressed between staying uh, and, and doing ministry, living for Christ and serving you or uh, departing to be with Christ, which would be better. So I'm torn between the two, but he says, I'm convinced that the Lord is going to leave me here uh, so that I can continue to labor on your behalf. Um, he says uh, he'll be, be working at the end of verse 25 for your progress and joy in the faith, which is just a beautiful uh, picture of what ministry looks like, that you're helping, trying to help people to uh, grow as Christians and also to have joy. Um, to uh, find delight in Christ. So um, he says uh, in verse 26, he says, So that in me you may have ample cause to glory again in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So he mentions this, uh, the possibility that he'll get to come once again to Philippi um, and that that would be a cause for uh, them giving glory to Jesus. And uh, I mentioned that because that's important for understanding what he says next in verse 27. So he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. 
This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So the first thing Paul says there in verse 27 is he says um, that whatever the circumstances, whatever happens or doesn't happen, whether he's able to come to them or not, uh, he wants them to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul might get to come and minister among them and teach them more and train them more and be sort of on the ground to help them uh, pursue unity and faithfulness and all those things, but he might not. Uh, He might not be able to come help them and encourage them and and lead them uh, face to face again. But he says, regardless of whether I'm able to come or not, what I am hoping for, the, the one thing I'm asking you for, is that you live, you conduct your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ, which just means to live in a way that's consistent with the gospel of Christ. And he's going to show us later in chapter 2, we'll get into this next time, uh, he's going to show us in chapter 2 what that looks like as he shows the pattern of Christ's life and then how uh, two men that are close to Paul, Timothy uh, and Epaphroditus, how those two men uh, modeled the the way that Christ lived in their own lives, in their own ministry. So he's saying, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of where you find yourselves, regardless of what's going on, you be sure you do this one thing, which is live your life in a manner that fits with the gospel of Christ. And specifically, he says, that means uh, standing firm in one spirit, Uh, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So it means that they are unified, that they come together, that they are of one mind, of one spirit. They're striving side by side. So he wants the church to be unified, but it's not a just, hey, we all happen to be in the same place and so we're all together kind of unity. It's not a unity at all cost. Well, no matter what we agree or disagree on, we're all going to be unified. It is a unity uh, around and upon the faith of the gospel. Right? So he says, I, I want to hear from, I want to hear of you uh, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In other words, he wants them to be united by their uh, shared confidence in um, and their shared striving for the good news, the message of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, uh, the good news that all who repent of their sin and turn to Jesus have forgiveness of sin and the promise of 
life beyond the grave, resurrection with Christ, being in His presence, all those things. Uh, Paul wants them to be united on all those things, uh, united around those things, and striving together for those things. Standing firm in one spirit, having one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So, uh, the way that applies to us right now right, is that uh, regardless of our circumstances, the fact that most of us can't meet together right now, we can't see each other face to face, even as your, your pastor, I can't be there where all of you are. Um, but don't let that stop you from living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, uh, whether you can come to church on a particular Sunday or not, whether uh, you know whether you're having to stay at home or not, whether you're you know able to do the normal things that you get to do, whether you get to you know gather with other believers or not, regardless of the circumstances, live in a way that's consistent with the gospel of Christ as best you can in the circumstances as they are. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to stay unified. We're trying to stay together, to communicate with one another, uh, to continue to uh, work together uh, on um, in, uh, in getting the word out, encouraging one another, caring for one another. I've uh, been so encouraged by how many people have been willing to to um, help those who are in need and, and, and you know, who say, um, I can run this errand for somebody or if somebody needs help, please let me know. By the way, you all have been praying for one another and uh, all those kind of things. So that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We just need to keep that up. We just need to, to be united, to be together, to uh, be on the same uh, page and the same team, right? Because we all belong to Christ. And uh, so we want to we want to move forward, um, honoring Him in the way that we live, in the way that we care for one another, and, and things like that. And then He says, "There's another piece of what He wants them to do." He says, uh, "He wants them." This is verse 28. Not uh, not to be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So the, the church that Paul was writing to here in Philippi, uh, they had opponents, right? In fact, if you remember the story of Paul planning this church in the book of Acts in chapter 16, uh, you remember that Paul was put in jail while he was in Philippi. And uh, that's where he was when the earthquake came and the prison doors were opened, but nobody escaped. And when the, the uh, chief guard of the prison was about to... Uh, take his own life because he thought his, the prisoners had escaped and he'd be punished and shamed and all the rest. Um, Paul told, said, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And then he ended up getting to share the gospel with the Philippian jailer and he was saved and baptized along with his, uh, his household. And so um, there were clearly opponents, right? Paul wouldn't have been in jail if there weren't opponents of the gospel there in Philippi. And, but what Paul says to them, he, said, he says, stand together, strive side by side, unified for the gospel, and don't be afraid by those who oppose the gospel. Right? Don't be afraid of those who are 
uh, hostile towards Christianity, who are hostile towards you because you're a Christian, um, and we don't know the, what the specifics were, if they were just slandering them or if they were physically uh, har- seeking to harm them or throw them in jail like they did Paul. We, we don't know the specifics, but regardless of the, uh, the details of how they were being persecuted, um, Paul says, don't, don't let them frighten you. Don't let them uh, scare you. Don't be frightened by them. Um, You just stand together. And he says, when you do this, this is a sign to them. When when you're not frightened uh, by their threats or by uh, the ways that they seek to harm you, when you're not frightened by that, but you guys stay together, uh, working together for the faith of the gospel, uh, that's a sign to your opponents that, they're on the wrong side, that they're going to be destroyed. Um, and it's also a sign to them of your salvation and that that salvation is from God. So when the church stands together for uh, the faith, when it stands together up around the gospel and upon the gospel, and when it is undaunted by those who seek to oppose it and even destroy it, then that sends a clear signal to the opponents of the gospel, the opponents of the church, uh, those who believe the gospel, uh, it sends a sign to them that uh, God is on our side, that uh, they have picked the wrong side, and that they're going to lose, and that they're going to be destroyed. Uh, Remember that Jesus said that he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, The opponents of the church have never been able to destroy it. In fact, often, wherever they have sought to destroy it, it has grown all the more. Uh, It was Tertullian, I think, who famously said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The the more they tried to kill Christians, uh, the more people became Christians, and the more the gospel spread. And so Paul says, don't be frightened by your opponents. Remember, if they, if they do put you to death, it is far better to depart and be with Christ. Later, he's going to say, when Jesus comes back, he's going to raise our lowly, mortal, weak bodies to, and transform them to be like his glorious body. Um, and so we have no reason to fear. Um, we have no reason uh, to uh, run from our opponents. We should be fearless, um, and we should trust in the Lord. All right. So um, that's a sign of our salvation when we stand united together around the gospel of Christ. And then he says something that may may surprise you if you've never noticed it before. Uh, he says in verse twenty nine. He says, "For it has been granted to you." that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So there are two things in that verse that Paul says are gifts from God. The first one is faith. The fact that you believe in Christ, the fact that you believe the gospel, if you're a Christian, that is a gift from God. Paul says it has been granted to you. God has given it to you. See the same thing in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right, where it tells us that we are saved by grace through faith and not from works. Uh, you know, this, and he says, um, this is a gift from God so that no one should boast. So what's a gift from God? 
your salvation, your faith, the whole thing, right? All the credit belongs to the Lord. It's not that he gets the credit for saving you and you get the credit for believing because you were smart enough or spiritual enough or whatever. No, God gave you uh, the grace to repent and to believe, uh, and he saved you, and all that comes from him. So Paul says, first of all, your faith in the Messiah is a gift, and the way he says it sounds like the Philippians already knew that, right? It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, which I don't expect you to be surprised by, but also to suffer for his sake. Now that part Maybe he hadn't told them before. Maybe they would be surprised by that. But he says it is also a gift to get to suffer for Jesus. Uh, Now, it's hard for us, uh, in one sense, to get our our minds around that. None of us want to suffer, obviously. And Paul didn't particularly want to either. Paul didn't pursue suffering. Suffering pursued him. Uh, So it's not that we want to suffer, but Paul says, when you do suffer for your faith in Christ, that is a gift that God is giving you. Uh, Remember the apostles saw it this way in in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 4, maybe chapter 5, where um, some of them are beaten and thrown in prison because of... uh, preaching about Jesus and his resurrection, and they're released, but it says that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name, the name of Jesus. So they were overjoyed that they had the opportunity, that they were given the privilege of suffering for Christ. Now again, did they enjoy getting beaten and thrown in prison? No, no, but... On the other side of it, right? once it had happened, they were able to say, I can't believe that God would allow me to be one of the ones who would suffer and say, I am so grateful to Jesus. I trust Jesus so much. I love Jesus so much. He's done so much for me that if you give me the choice of talking about Jesus or being beaten, I'm going to have to go with being beaten. Uh, And that's what they did, right? And so um, Paul says, when you are given that opportunity, when you are persecuted, when you suffer for the name of Christ, not for something foolish or sinful you did, but for the name of Christ, that's a gift from God, he says. And then um, he, he says uh, in verse 30 uh, that basically when this is happening, they are engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. In other words, when Paul was in Philippi, they saw him arrested and put in prison. He was persecuted and opposed. While he's writing this letter that we call Philippians, he's in prison for the gospel. And so they, uh, in a sense, are joining Paul They are engaged with him in the same conflict, the same struggle, the same difficulty 
as he was engaged in. They're joining him. They're suffering with him as both they and Paul suffer for the sake of Christ. And then finally, he gives this exhortation at the beginning of chapter 2 that I think is an appropriate way to conclude what he's just said in chapter 1, where he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, here's what you should do. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. In other words, Paul's saying, if you've gotten any good out of being a Christian, any encouragement in Christ, if you have any comfort from the love that you have received from God that's been poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit, the love that has been shown to you by your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have any fellowship, any participation in the Spirit, if, you, if you've received any blessing by the, uh, uh, on account of the, the presence of the Spirit in your life, um, any of those things, if you've received any good from being a Christian, I appeal to you on that basis to do this thing for me. Complete my joy, right? Increase Paul's joy by being united. By being, he says it several ways. By being of the same mind, by having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Four different ways he piles up a way of saying to be, be unified, be together, be united in this thing. There is nothing that would make me happier while I'm here in prison than hearing not only that the gospel is being preached, which he rejoiced in in chapter 1, but also hearing that you, my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ there in Philippi, that you are united together, loving one another, serving one another, standing together for the gospel. The church is not being divided or broken apart or split up because of the pressure that's being put on it by persecution and opposition. But you are united. You are together. You are loving one another. And that, Paul says, would make me even happier than I already am. That would complete my joy. So uh, that's an encouragement to us. If that's if that's what Paul was longing for and praying for and writing for, then that's me. That means that's not only what Paul wanted. That's what God wanted. That's what Jesus wanted for His church. Paul is, after all, an apostle, which means he's an ambassador for Christ. He's speaking on behalf of Christ, and so this is what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants us to be united. Jesus wants us to be together. Jesus wants us to love one another and serve one another and be on the same team and work together and be in harmony. And so that's what we want to pray for. That's what we want to work for. That even while we can't be physically together, that we can be united in heart and mind and spirit as we pray for one another, as we serve one another, as we encourage one another in this hard season, as we look out for each other and check on each other to make sure that no one needs anything or if they do, that we can meet those needs for them and help them. Um, that we check on one another, uh, make sure everybody's doing okay. It's a struggle to be at home, uh, especially if you're by yourself a lot. Um, and uh, that's that's a challenge. Uh, families with small kids, that's a huge blessing, but also a challenge when you're all at home all day. Uh, all, all of this is, is putting unique uh, wear and tear on us, uh, on all of us, right? And so we need to encourage one another and uh, help one another. 
And uh, so be praying for one another, be checking on one another. Uh, let's uh, stick together, keep communicating, and um, pray for the Lord's blessing and peace and healing.